ain't got no time to waste. Let's go. You are now listening to Jason Anderson, and you are in the zone. You're in the zone with Jason Anderson on Sports Radio 810 WHB. I believe uh, Tech Nine will do the halftime performance coming up on Saturday. Uh, no. During Avatar? He will. During Avatar? Um, on Saturday, it's Lil John. What? I said it's Lil John doing it on Saturday. Okay. Glad you're excited about it. Ask me if I'm excited. You excited? Yeah. Stupid. You're in the zone on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Let me walk you through my thought process right before the show began. I was thinking, man, if you're a non-KU fan tuning in to... Your favorite sports talk radio show, or at least your favorite sports talk radio station. You probably don't want to hear about Kansas basketball like 24-7, 365. And I get it. But then I had a slightly more reasonable internal follow-up, which is that if you don't like hearing about KU basketball in late February and into March... Just better root against them harder. Or your teams need to win a little more to keep this from happening. Because Saturday I was out there down in Fieldhouse to watch KU Baylor, and that game was electric. That game was bonkers. That game was something I haven't seen on screen or certainly in person in a really long time. So we talked about that game for a huge chunk of yesterday's show. Fair enough. Well, then KU's back out there playing again last night. But, you know, if they go out there, maybe they lose a close one on the road to TCU. It's just kind of more Big 12 being the Big 12, cannibalizing itself, best conference in the the sport by a country mile. Maybe we just do a bunch of Chiefs offseason talk to start the show today. Spring training out there. We'll talk to Todd Lebo from Surprise a little later on today's show. But KU didn't play along. For the next gear of conversation. Because last night, at TCU, waiting for much of anything early in that game, the lids were not removed from the baskets until a couple minutes into the contest. And no, it wasn't the highest scoring affair. No, you didn't get your best Jalen Wilson game. But where are we now? Right back where we begin. So frequently, we begin right about here in the Big 12 season. Despite the fact that the rest of this conference has been absolutely stupendous. We are now here nearing the the final week of February. And Kansas, with that extra half game, an extra game under their belt, right? So a half game up on Texas. I'm not saying the Big 12 is over by any means. But right now, as of this morning, KU sits alone at the top of the greatest conference in basketball. And the way they did it against TCU, it's not a good sign for anyone who doesn't root for the team in Lawrence. I'm Joshua Briscoe, by the way. Jason Anderson out again today. Uh, it was kind of the um, 
you know, the McCole Hardman thing. We thought we were going to, we activated him off IR, but then he wasn't quite ready to go yet. By the way, McCole Hardman tweeting today that he was going into surgery for whatever the issue was that was um, bringing him in and out late in the season. Didn't plan that segue, but we'll take it. Little news of the day there for you. Um, as, as he is a free agent, so he needs to either be healthy for his free agency tour or maybe for another year with the Chiefs. Another contract with the Chiefs wouldn't hurt my feelings. We'll talk more Chiefs stuff a little bit later down the line. Adam Teicher of ESPN will join us at 11 o'clock. And yeah, we're going to talk more college basketball with our guy Myron Medcalf of ESPN representing the Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Kansas City. He'll join us at noon. And then the aforementioned Todd Lebo, live from Surprise at one. So it's me and Beards, Adam Teicher, Myron Metcalf, Todd Lebo. That's the plan for the day. But KU Baylor was fun because it was Allen Fieldhouse having the Angels in the outfield kind of moments of just like, oh yeah, this is the thing that happens. All of a sudden the shots start rolling in the second half. And when you are playing for Kansas, when your jersey says Kansas... And nothing else. No AR before it or a state after it. The latter being a lot more relevant, obviously. When you are in a blue and red Kansas jersey in Allen Fieldhouse, it's like you've inherited some superpowers, right? That's just sort of the way this thing goes. You're up by five. It feels like you're up by 15. You're down by 15. It feels like it's a one possession game. But what KU did last night at TCU is the most impressive performance they've had in these last few days. Or at least it might be even more relevant to what their next few games, their Big 12 tournament, and their NCAA tournament teams will look like. Because KU did not have the advantage of the friendly home environment where it seems like an avalanche is always just one one yodel away. Why was that always the stereotype also? You know, that, Beards, you know what I'm talking about? Like if somebody yodels in a mountain in a cartoon or whatever, that's when the avalanche starts. And now it's, I don't know if it's like an episode of Tom and Jerry or something that I'm envisioning. But I just have a very cartoonish like, yodel-a-hee-hoo! And then all of a sudden, snow is falling. I just always assume it echoes back. Yeah, that's also true. Maybe I'm mixing. I don't think I've my... ever heard it do an avalanche before, or seen it do an avalanche in a cartoon. Not that I remember. It for so, there is something deep in my in the the dark crevices of my brain that I haven't gotten in there in a in a good long while. I need to get like a Q-tip and some rubbing alcohol and try to figure out what's going on back there. It's the yodel away. It's how far the yodel goes. No, the echo is a great point. That's definitely the that's definitely like the conventional wisdom. For some reason, I have. Uh, there, there was some cartoon in my life, I am confident, where avalanches were, were the predominant concern. Sort of like quicksand, right? Like, there was a lot of quicksand in children's media, mm-hmm. and then I've, I've yet to encounter it. Renee and I uh, watch Princess Bride every Valentine's Day. It's just a thing. It's, we just started doing it, and it's a good movie, so it's a good tradition. Yeah, it's a good movie. But you've got the you know the quicksand and the fire swamp and all of that mm-hmm. rats of unusual size. I haven't come across any of those either. But like avalanches and quicksand, I'm sure there are several other nominees. This is when I look over for the Twitch chat. This is when I go and, and look and see. All right, uh, uh, comment sections slash Twitter listeners. I don't have the text line open because Jason's not here and Jason's got the text line buttons. I think I could like 
figure it out. But once the show started, it's going to be 45 minutes. And I'm going to forget by the time the segment's over. But I, I would like to open up for, uh, for nominees on things from children's media in your childhood that you were led to believe would be much bigger issues in your day-to-day life than they ever ended up actually being. Cursive? Cursive is definitely... I, I, I sign my name, and that's it. I don't even use cursive to sign my name. I just write little squiggles, and that's it. Now, you do have, with all due respect, Beards, serial killer handwriting. It's not that bad. It's not that bad, but I do actually have a cipher in the office that I use to try to decode it after I see it. I have, I, it's Beards, it's not that bad, but I have taken sticky notes that you've thrown away and then mailed them to the FBI just to see if they could get a handwriting match. It's not that bad, but I have done all those things. No, you don't have serial killer handwriting. You just have bleep you cursive handwriting. Yeah, that's fair. And I really want another I really want another nominee, but I'm gonna let the people do the work for us on this one. We got quicksand, we got avalanches, we got cursive. You're never gonna have a calculator in your pocket? Whoa, that's a great one. That's a great one. Not only do I have a calculator, I have a calculator in my pocket now. I also have every state capital in my pocket. Beards, what's a state that you probably don't know the capital of? Uh, Vermont. Hey Siri, what's the capital of Vermont? Montplier. Montpelier. It didn't do it out loud for some reason, but it has given me the answer. M-O-N-T-P-E-L-I-E-R. Take that, education system. (laughs) I refuse to get further educated. I have the internet at my fingertips. Let's try one more just just for fun, Beards. Okay, let's try one more. Hey, Siri. Who's in first who's in first place in the men's Big 12 basketball conference? Here's what I found. Kansas it says. I'd ask Siri what was more impressive between the Baylor win and the TCU win, but we started to get subjective and I don't want to make Siri actually have to think because on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm already at like a 4 on like concern that AI is going to do some really, really, really bad stuff in our lifetime. And in, actually, in terms of just bad stuff, I'm like a 7 out of 10. I'm like a 4 out of 10 on full on like lording over humanity. And if at any point there is an AI in the future scanning audio files to determine friends and foes, look guys, just give me a VR headset and a bunch of video game stuff, and I'll just stay in my house. Like, I don't I don't need a smart fridge, you know, if you guys want to be out there patrolling the skies or whatever you want to do in terms of, you know, dominating humanity. Um, I'm happy to get along with the, with the robots. One of my favorite movies of all time is Her. Joaquin Phoenix. I'm really open to whatever you guys, whatever you guys want to do, robots. I trust you guys. I really do. I like watching humans play sports, but if you want to play sports, I, I will also watch that. I like esports fine. You know, I'm I'm sure there's something I can supply you in the future. AI overlords. Just whenever that day arrives. Not if, but when. 
from Why Not on Twitch. Just say no to drugs being used. I wish people would offer me drugs as often as Dare said they would. What KU did last night against TCU? Seamless segue. Was really impressive. Because for a while, we have had a couple iterations of the same questions about Kansas basketball. It is, wow, Jalen Wilson. What happens when Grady Dick isn't scoring? Can they win when it's just Jalen Wilson? Can it be somewhere else, somebody else? Beards were not making any jokes about anyone's last names this week. Okay? Not today, at least. Stop. I, I didn't say nothing. You didn't say anything, but you gave away a lot with the expression that only I saw. And look, I'm just saying... He couldn't get it up. Jalen Wilson was not very good last night. What are you laughing at? I'm not going to say Jalen Wilson was soft. I don't think that that's fair. He just wasn't very productive. Please stop laughing at Jalen Wilson. He's been stupendous this year. We do not need to make fun of him for having a quiet game last night. Grow up, Beards. There's nothing funny about Dwan Harris's last name. Be an adult. But Jalen Wilson last night has one of the games that this Kansas team is supposed to lose, frankly. Because he's not going to be Superman every night. He has been carrying this team. Not, you know, this is a really good team around him. But he has been the centerpiece, the focal point of this team all year. And last night, he's 3 of 11 from the field. He takes a couple of threes, and neither one of them go in. He's not even getting to the line last night. Now, he still brings you his 13 rebounds and leading the team there by a healthy margin. He was hardly invisible. I don't want to overstate that. But he wasn't the one scoring for Kansas. He was not the, I think I said against, you know, talking about the Baylor game yesterday, that Jalen Wilson's been the engine of this team. And last night, he wasn't where the points were coming from. It was Grady Dick doing the things that make him, as they talked about on the broadcast, make him a real attractive, one-and-done NBA prospect. Partially because of the body that he's doing all of this in. But also, you can see that skill set coming through. It's not just the catch-and-shoot, but it's what happens when you do see him on the move, when you do see him being willing to create a little bit. And and when he is the the scorer, again, just the the pure catch-and-shoot, from from range, that's going to translate to the next level. And then what he becomes beyond that, dude is a child who's about to eventually grow into an NBA game. His future is outrageously bright. We all know all of these things. He's a child in terms of, like, his age, I mean. But when he gives you 19 points, and when Kevin McCuller is a reliable third option who in this game becomes your second when you do get contributions from your bench and not a you know outrageous day for many of those guys but you do get a little bit of help in a low scoring game where it's not just about who is scoring the points but it is about holding TCU under 60 it is about playing defense on the road it is the vision put on display by Dewan Harris but he was able to do defensively in this game 
TCU put up 100 on Oklahoma State in their last matchup. And and TCU was was not exactly bringing the house down in their previous stretch. They lost four in a row. And we'll talk about the Big 12 a little more altogether with Myron Medcalf coming up at noon. But a a four-game conference losing streak in the Big 12 looks like this. Again, TCU's five games going into last night. Lose at Oklahoma State in a close one. Lose at K-State by 19. Lose to Baylor in a close one. Lose at Iowa State by uh, 11. Put up 100 on Oklahoma State in a game you win by 25. Lose at home to KU. A four-game losing streak in other conferences means you've usually stubbed your toe on a team that you should have handled. And we talked a little bit about this with, with Matt Tate yesterday. TCU's been injured, and you know th- this is not their their most pristine version of their own team. But a four game losing streak, losing five out of six or whatever it's been now for for TCU. Now it's six out of nine, six out of eight. Going back to the Mississippi State loss, which obviously non conference. But going on a losing streak in the Big Twelve does not mean you have totally begun sputtering. Made evident by the fact that that was the game between two ranked teams yesterday. And for KU to be able to go out there where it is not the Jalen Wilson game, where the points are not pouring in, but you are playing superb defense and you are getting contributions from other guys, particularly McCuller, particularly uh, Grady Dick, particularly what you're doing without Jalen Wilson being your points. It's a hugely impressive win which is also going to be really informative to what the next month of their season looks like. It is going to be the absolute grind of the Big 12 tournament. And it is going to be playing teams once you've gotten to, to the NCAA tournament. How many games is KU going to get to play in all likelihood where they're, they're not going to face a team as good as their entire conference? You, you you think that your your second round matchup is going to be better than what half of your teams in your in your own conference that you see twice this regular season? It is the greatest test and also the greatest preparation in college basketball is being a part of the Big Twelve and to be able to survive to the top of that is absolutely outrageous. And that's where Kansas stands now. So now half a game up on Texas, who obviously they uh, they play tonight. But KU the rest of the way, they get West Virginia and Allen Fieldhouse, Texas Tech and Lawrence, and then they go to Texas. Final game of the regular season. Talked about this yesterday with Matt Tate. We'll, we'll talk about it with Myron coming up later today. It would be a blast if that KU-Texas game is basically a conference championship game, that would be incredible. But especially now with that win last night, KU certainly has to feel like they're in a good spot. For, and I'm not sure they're talking about this, but internally, they have to feel like they're in a good spot to be playing that game to either win the conference outright or lose and share it. Because now they've got three games left and Texas has Iowa State at home tonight. Then they go to Baylor, to TCU, before they host KU in that finale. 
So if KU and Texas both win out, that game will be for the Big 12 Conference Championship. Baylor has one extra loss as they stand right now, but if Baylor beats Texas at Baylor, coming up in in two more games for both of them, that means Baylor still has to first. This is the Big 12 being hilarious. You go, okay, well, so Baylor could beat Texas, and then now it really is back to being a three-team neck-and-neck race for the, for the conference. But first, it's like an infomercial. The Big 12 is an infomercial. But wait, there's more. Because to even get to that point, Baylor has to get past K-State in Manhattan tonight. Baylor is going to be sandwiched between a first-half dominant performance and second-half dominated performance in Allen Fieldhouse. Then they go out to Manhattan before they go home and get Texas. My my first love is football. Actually, my first love was, was baseball, I suppose. But at this point in my life, my number one sports love is football. The NFL season was absolutely tremendous. We're going to keep living in NFL offseason talk, all offseason here in this show. We're going to talk a lot of NFL today. We'll talk about it with Tysher. We'll probably talk about it more next. I got some Chiefs offseason stuff that I'm already looking ahead to. I love the NFL. I love the NFL regular season, the offseason, the postseason. I even love the NFL preseason. I can live with 365 days of NFL. I really can. But if you have even the most passing appetite for college basketball, you are at a fine dining establishment in the Big 12. KU sitting there right at the top. K-State has shown over and over again. They clearly belong. Not just in the, the Big 12, but in the national conversation altogether. But there's just no days off. It is an absolute gauntlet. And it, it should create an incredible, incredible Big 12 tournament here in Kansas City when that arrives. And I'm, I'm starting to... I, I don't know if I was hesitant on this at all or not, but it's really starting to set in now that I, I don't think you're going to get to March Madness and all these Big 12 teams are just going to be like just burnt out, broken down teams that are kind of dragging their feet to the finish line. Now they get to the postseason, they're just out of gas. I think you're going to see a bunch of teams out of the Big 12 that look around once they get to March Madness and they just go, oh yeah, no, this is, we've kind of been in this all year. Where there there are no off games, there is no chance to collect yourself and set your feet and get ready for the next stretch. That time just doesn't exist. Those games just don't exist in this conference. And, and I think and I hope that it'll serve these teams very well when the big the big tournament comes around where the appetizer is the Big 12 conference tournament which is just again going to be an absolute barn burner it's a really fun time in college basketball around these parts uh clearly where the rest of this conference heads is going to be an absolute treat missouri has you know their ups and downs 
there there have been very very highs recently with the win over Tennessee and then very very lows directly following that but um even as Mizzou is the the ill fortune of putting together a, a nice season that has been outshined by the other local squads at this point uh they also you know they're in a conference where it just means more but right now the Big 12's really got the crown here in this uh, sport with the orange round ball so don't know what else you can do about that. We'll take a timeout. I'm Joshua Briscoe with Beards McFly. Jason Anderson out again today. Hope to have him back uh, tomorrow, but we'll, we'll get him back sooner rather than later. He's day to day. He Jason is literally day to day. We'll just see how it goes. You know, we're just trying to you know get him up to speed and ease him back a little. We're just kind of. I'm going to get with Rick after this, and we'll we'll see where he's at. And I'll I'll get that to you, Herbie. I'll get that to you. I'll get to some Chiefs conversations coming up next. We touched on a couple things yesterday, but didn't get to really dive in to some interesting futures that Chiefs might be building for themselves this offseason. I'll explain that when we come back. The Zone with Jason Anderson. Okay. We're all on the same page, which is biased, fake news, and pro-Chief media. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Mentioned Nicole Hardman's name earlier on in the show. Tom Pelissero has tweeted out, Chiefs wide receiver McCole Hardman had successful groin repair surgery with Dr. William Myers in Philadelphia this morning per source. It cleared up the issue he was dealing with this past season. An intriguing free agent to be. The uh, the specifics of McCole Hardman's injury, uh, the, the terminology evolved a few times as that was ongoing. I think at one point it was groin. Eventually it was pelvis. Now Pelissero says groin. I am not a doctor. This is not a report. I do not know more information than that. It it seems like a lot of that would be consistent with some sort of hernia type of thing, like a sports hernia sort of issue. I guess you could kind of you know, have it include all of those various regions. Usually if it's something like if it's a, you know, a torn muscle in the groin in the traditional sense, we we would know about what it was. I I um I don't know. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure what the uh, the case might be there for Hardman, but um, also by the the quickness of uh, Pelissero's report, seems like it's all good now. Successful is a, a great word to hear. So whatever the issue was for McCole Hardman, um, seems like it's it's getting cleared up now, and I'll be really curious to see what his market looks like. Because uh, even as Kadarius Tony is is really finding a role for himself here in Kansas City, uh, I I would like to see both of those guys on the field in a Chiefs uniform if at all possible. If somebody sees Hardman's tape overall and they're not you know anyway scared off by by him having this issue through the back half of this season, and everything he will most likely get priced out of where the Chiefs would be, and I could see him having a really nice uh, next phase of his career somewhere else. But I don't know how the league is going to view him. I don't know uh, what his market will be exactly. And I, I wonder if if he would think or if his his camp might think that one more year in Kansas City to try to put up a bunch of numbers and score a bunch more touchdowns. I wonder if, if they think that might be an opportunity to raise his value or certainly you can't blame any of them, any of those guys for wanting to get out there and um, and just get to their, their second contract because... That's where the uh, 
that's where the real money ends up coming in for, for a lot of these guys. So we'll, we'll, we'll continue to keep an eye on that as we go. But I, I wanted to spend a second on the defense. Um, I also should should mention, as we were talking about the Big 12 earlier, Iowa State versus Texas, uh, the uh, the big game for Texas to, to keep it neck and neck with KU. That will be right here tonight on your home for Kansas Athletics, your home for the Big 12 tournament, your home for March Madness, Sports Radio 810 WHB, Kansas City. So the pregame coverage of that will begin at 745, tip off at 8 tonight here on 810. So back to the defense. We, we touched on this a little bit yesterday, and, and I'll ask Adam Teicher this uh, when we, we start talking to him here in about 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes from now. But there was the, uh, the, the projected free agent valuations that Pro Football Focus uh, put out a um, week or so ago. Just trying to get a, an estimated value for where these guys might come in, trying to figure out what their potential contracts might be, the guys that are on the open market. And Juan Thornhill's contract estimation was the most interesting one for me of the Chiefs pending free agents. Juan Thornhill, and this is uh, this is all shared out by uh, Zach Eisen on Twitter. Juan Thornhill's projected deal: two years, eleven million, six million guaranteed. So depending on where you wanted to move the cap hits to, you could say that's a one-year $6 million deal with essentially an option for a second year for five. Now, depending on you know, when prorated money gets in there, if that is a prorated bonus, it's going to be three in each year. and there's a lot. That is a gross oversimplification. But two years, $11 million, $6 million guaranteed. I would give that deal to Juan Thornhill in a heartbeat. Just it feels kind of low. I would not necessarily want the Chiefs to have another double-digit million-dollar cap-hit guy next to Justin Reed because Justin Reed is already that guy, and I want them to pay Chris Jones. They're already paying Patrick Mahomes. I want them to spend some of that free agency money in some different places. But five or six million dollars a year for one Thornhill on a two-year deal? I'd be happy to do that. But the specific questions of that contract aren't even the most interesting part to me. And and I, I mentioned this to Zach, and, and you follow, follow Zach on Twitter. He's a great follow. Zach Eisen 21 is his Twitter handle. Does, does, does good work uh, over an Arrowhead report as well. But I, I told him, I think that the Thornhill estimates I've seen have all seemed really low to me, and, and Zach pointed out that one of the, the few positions loaded in free agency this year is the safety position. Jesse Bates, Cincinnati, obviously, and we'll see where he ends up. He's going to demand a, a pretty good-sized payday, and it doesn't seem like the Bengals are going to be the team to give it to him, which also makes the Bengals potential landing spot for Juan Thornhill, which would make me sad because I like Juan Thornhill. But... Jesse Bates, Jordan Poyer, Jimmy Ward, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Von Bell, Taylor Rapp, Julian Love, all in addition to Juan Thornhill, and Zach said he's just naming the top guys on the market there. Now, I don't, again, to go back to like, I don't necessarily want them to go try to bring in another relatively expensive free agent safety to put next to Justin Reed, because they've already got Justin Reed. I would be interested in kind of one of those second-tier mid-money guys. 
And my favorite of those solutions, as we stand right now, I think would be Ron Thornhill. Partially for his skill set, and I've always really liked Thornhill, and obviously he had some issues coming back from the ACL, which is not an uncommon thing, and, and he's looked healthy and fast and like he's only gotten continually more comfortable in the game as his career has gone on. But I want you to think about what stability in the Chiefs' defense looks like if they do bring back Juan Thornhill on a, a effectively a two-year deal. Now, Legereus Sneed's going into the last year of his deal, and I'm going to assume the Chiefs get a long-term deal done with Chris Jones. That'd be nice. It would be really nice. It's something that I would make a top priority. So I'm going to assume the Chiefs get it done for the sake of this exercise. Willie Gay, Legereus Sneed, entering the last years of their deals. If they don't get extensions this offseason, Chris Jones could be entering the last year of his deal. I think he gets paid before that happens. But look at the rest of the depth chart. Willie Gay, Nick Bolton, Leo Chanel. Rookie deals. Again, Gay's got one more year. Then we can figure out if they try to get him extended this offseason, if they let him play another year out and see what it looks like after that. By the way, quick shout out to uh, to our dear friend Seth Kaiser, the chief of the North Newsletter, mnchiefsfan.substack.com. I've told you I've owed him uh, some free publicity for the years and years of radio we've done together. Just had a, an excellent piece come out on those three linebackers, their performance in the Super Bowl. Spoiler alert, they were all great. I said I thought it was the best game of Nick Bolton's career. Seth said... It was the best game of Willie Gay's career, and that Willie Gay was actually the best linebacker on the field in the Super Bowl, and he didn't even fight me on it being Nick Bolton's best game of his career. Meanwhile, Leo Chanel was doing some really good stuff that we did not often see him doing before that game. So go check that piece out. I think you'll enjoy it. But those three guys locked up. At least for this one more year. Gay pending beyond that. Then your secondary... Justin Reed, long-term locked up. Juan Thornhill would be long-term locked up. Trent McDuffie, one year into a rookie deal. Jalen Watson, one year into a rookie deal. Joshua Williams, one year into a rookie deal. Legereus Sneed, one year left on his rookie deal, pending an extension. Brian Cook, your third safety, one year into his rookie deal. Not only do you have your starters secured, you really have depth. You have your fourth corner on a rookie deal. Your third safety in his rookie deal. Your starters, your depth, your nucleus in the back two-thirds of your defense is done. It's crazy, but it's true. Now, your defensive line's a different story. What's Carlos Dunlap going to do? What's going to happen with Frank Clark? What's going to happen with Colin Saunders? What's going to happen with Derek Nottie? What's going to happen with anybody not named Chris Jones and George Karloftis? I think Mike Dana... We need to figure out... Actually, boy, hold on. We need to figure out where Mike Dana's going to be. He's got one... I think he's entering his last year of his rookie deal, I believe. I think that lines up. Get Tershawn Wharton back, I suppose. But... Your linebackers and defensive backs, if you get Thornhill re-signed, 
you've got one more year of total consistency where the exact defense you put out there for the Super Bowl is playing together for the entirety of training camp, the preseason, the regular season, next postseason, barring injury, it's the same group, but not the run it back sense, right? Not the same group of dudes in their late 20s and trying to get one more good year out of them. The same dudes who just were getting their first sniff of NFL experience. Then on the other side of the ball, your quarterback is obviously locked up. They might do a little shuffling at running back, but you know you've got your number one guy in Isaiah Pacheco. We'll see how much um, longer Jarek McKinnon's got, but I, I imagine he'll be back. And then is Clyde your third guy? Do they draft somebody else late again this year and try to keep that that cycle working? I think I saw that Clyde was not at the Super Bowl parade. He was not. We will talk about that today. We will finally, I for for a week now, Beards, I have been trying to figure out if and when and how we talk about that. We will actually talk about that today because it's weird. And I don't think there's a super easy answer on Clyde. And now you've got your tackles to figure out on the offensive line, even though your interior is good. You've got pass catchers to figure out, even though you've got Travis Kelsey. But defensively, at least, you can just pour draft picks into the defensive line. You can pour free agency spending into your defensive line. If it's restructuring Frank Clark to keep him around, if it's finding other contributors in free agency... And I expect they're still going to draft a corner in the sixth, and they should. They should because it keeps working. Get yourself a day three corner. Get them. Get them trained up, and maybe they'll be. Maybe they'll be a replacement for Legarius Sneed if you don't want to pay him. The Chiefs have been really good at that cycle, even though I do think Sneed's the type of guy they would want to keep around for what he can do in this defense. But it is an incredibly bright future when you look at the potential of the consistency in the back two thirds of that defense. Where you do not have to reinvest in linebackers, you do not have to reinvest in your secondary. Not to say you don't have your contingency plans for years out. Again, if you want to draft somebody who you think is going to do more Willie Gay things if you don't pay Willie Gay, that's fine. But you still have Bolton and Chanel. And you still have at least one more year of Willie Gay, regardless. It is just an incredible thing in in relation to like where the Rams were after last year's Super Bowl. The organizational health that the Chiefs have right now after winning a Super Bowl, like Brad Feige said, this is what a rebuilding year in Kansas City looks like. Cool. I love it. But the organizational health of where the Chiefs are at, while there's still confetti fluttering from some tall buildings in downtown Kansas City, is a truly remarkable thing. We'll talk a little bit more about that with Adam Teicher coming up in about 10 minutes or so. More Zone next. The Zone with Jason Anderson. That was the winning margin. And it turned out to be the uh, weather was the no, right. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hey, that's not, that's not how this works. Hold that, on. That's not how hold the math works. And Jason, on. that was not the margin. Hold what on. are we talking about? Weekdays from 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Here's the real quick Clyde thing, because I'm probably going to bring it up with Adam Teicher when we come back from the upcoming break. Teicher of ESPN here will join us in about five or six minutes. So Clyde edwards Lair was was not at the Super Bowl parade, and he posted on his Instagram story that he was in New York City. And then some fashion designer who seems to specialize in extremely large, like, fur coats, Posted a video with Clyde talking about walking in his fashion show. Now, you may be able to, to guess this, but I think I am in a draft 
likely the last member of Chiefs adjacent media who would criticize someone for going and being in a fashion show. I think that rules. Go do that thing. But when it is directly opposite the parade, maybe Clyde after the fact will say, hey, look, I just I agreed to do that a long time ago. Parade ended up being on a Wednesday. That was weird, and I just didn't want to back out of that. Whatever. But it's a really weird thing to miss. I, I know he wasn't active for the last chunk of the season. I know it sounded like he thought he would play in the Super Bowl, and then he didn't. But it makes you think that relationship might not be in tip-top shape. We'll, we'll talk about that some more next with Adam Teicher of ESPN next in the zone.